Good morning. Well, as she said, my name is Leah, and I have been overseas for several years now. I moved in 2018. No, 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 no. Not 2018. 2015. So that's almost eight years ago. Three months will be eight years. Woo! Which is way longer than I thought I was going for. (laughs) Um, But that just goes to show that when your chief ambition is obedience, you just have no clue what's going to (laughs) happen. And it's just been the best decision I've ever made with my life. Um, So I do have some pictures that I'll try not to overly linger on. And um, this will just give a very basic snapshot of what I do since there's so many people I don't recognize in this church, (laughs) which is really amazing. (laughs) Um, So if this is your first time ever seeing me or hearing about what I do, hopefully this will help give a very broad stroke of that. You may start, Cadence. Um, So this is the country I live in. I'm going to go very quickly over this. You can go to the next one. Um, And I'm not going to say the name out loud just because it is being um, put on the internet and I need to be safe with some of the words that I use. Um, So this is a region. I live in South Asia or the Himalayas. I'll just say broadly, the Himalayas is where I work. Um, And so... It's a very small country, which you already saw in the previous picture, only about 30 million people, but it's sandwiched between 1.4 billion people to the south, 1.4 billion to the north. And somehow, in the midst of two giant countries, uh, God is taking a rather insignificant small place and just has flung the door open. Uh, Next. So this is taken outside a plane on the way to the mountains. Um, So this is just, if you guys know anything about the Himalayas, they do have some of the highest, well, the highest mountain in the world. Um, But then a whole range of beautiful white-capped mountains. You can go next. Uh, I guess it's pretty faint against the skyline, but I actually took this outside my window. So the mountains are right there in the new city. I changed cities six months ago and moved closer to the mountains, and I'm not complaining. <laughs> um, so this like pointy one, that, that mountain is uh, 20,000 some odd feet. I don't know the exact what range. And then there's a range that runs all the way behind it, and those have... Um, so, four peaks that are in the top 10 highest in the world, um, anywhere from like 22 to 24,000 feet. So that's right outside my window. (laughs) Next. And then um, this is actually in one of my favorite regions in the Himalayas. I was there just in February a few months ago, and um, it looks rather barren because it is, (laughs) but it's still beautiful. So this was just a village that I hiked to and then took a panorama. So this is a literal picture from where I go on some of the treks that I do, um, just to give you a very accurate snapshot of what does it look like in in a village. (laughs) That's what it looks like. Uh, Not much rain. Um, So one of my favorite things... 
Okay, the favorite thing that I do is just worshiping and praying from high places in the Himalayas. And I usually, when I go to the mountains, it's with a short-term team. So I'm hosting. And I was able to host a prayer and worship team from Kona, Hawaii in February. And so they loved just always, let's go up somewhere and worship. Let's go pray. Let's do a prayer burn. Let's do all of that which is my heart in this nation. And so we took them up for just a little hike. Um, So that's what it looks like. And then I just stood off, took a picture of us worshiping and praying over a village in the Himalayas. Next. Uh, This is another snapshot of that. This is a different region, uh, just about, just shy of 14,000 feet um, on this mountain. And I was huffing and puffing. And then we get to the top, and we realize way in the background, you can see something tall with some bamboo scaffolding. That's, uh, in Hinduism, one of their main gods that they worship is named Shiva. And he is the god that destroys, so the god of destruction. And he's one of the main, you know, there's so many gods, they possibly can't know all of their names. I forget how many millions they have. But he is one of the main ones. And very, well, to be feared. And so we, we made it to the top, a few hours of hiking, and I see this massive cement statue of Shiva. And I just had a day pack on with water and my, my phone and sunscreen. That's about all I carry. And I'm thinking, I cannot imagine carrying up all the equipment it would take to mix a concrete idol that high up and I just, it hit me the dedication that these people have for their gods is is staggering because it's as Christians we love God but it's easy to say like he loves me no matter what the, it doesn't matter the amount of effort I put in he loves me which he does love you, but he does care about the effort you put in. (laughs) And I was really convicted about that. Like, man, do I know anybody that would go to that much length, that much work to build a statue to the God of destruction who does not love them? And it just, and then we had a really powerful intercession time, but it just gives you a picture of the amount of devotion that they have to the demonic but they are searching, like everyone's searching in this country. And just, I mean, it was such a picture of God saying like, just imagine if they actually had that revelation of the true God, the the amount of devotion, the amount of loyalty they would have to the real thing. If this is what they do for a cement statue, imagine what they would do to a real God, (laughs) the real thing. And so... um. Yeah, that's, it's just, it's one of my favorite things to do. Also, because in in the Himalayas, the mountains are known as places where the gods live. And that's a very biblical understanding as well. If you read the Bible and mountains are often equated, high places of worship are equated with meeting with God. Eden was on a mountain. And so when we come up to these mountains, there's always some sort of temple, maybe a god. Um, People will often hike and build. Um, You can, well, behind this picture, there was a whole 
field of rocks, and people had done man-made temples and statues of worship for their gods. And so naturally, my favorite thing is to go and just reclaim these high places and contend in prayer, (laughs) because most tourists that come to this nation don't do that. They are also seeking for something that's real, and unfortunately, they're seeking Buddha and different Hindu gods. And so my favorite thing is to go up to these high places, the places of the gods, and just challenge what has not been challenged. All right, next. Um, So one of the other very just normal things is uh, when I see a person that looks interesting, I just go talk to them. (laughs) So this was in... uh, forget the village, but another village. And I was with uh, my friend Amy. And we just saw this very precious old Buddhist couple. And when you're there long enough, you can just tell by the clothes they wear. He's holding a, you can see in his hand, there's like a stick with a, clearly I know all the words for these things, but it's, it's a tool that they use in Buddhist prayer. It's like a little drum that you twirl in it. Each time it hit, it's like saying a chant for you sort of thing. And so we thought, let's go talk to them. They look precious. So we just went over there, squatted down, started talking with them. And this was a while ago, but I think we prayed for them, just prayed that God would reveal himself to them. And uh, yeah, so that's like a very typical thing to do. If you have white skin, people are so curious about you. <laughs> they want So it's very, very easy. And I use it to my advantage. I'm like, oh, they won't mind if I go to talk to them. <laughs> so anytime I'm with local believers, they'll often use people with different color skin and be like, great, you be our open door and we'll translate the gospel for you. And I'm like, great. <laughs> we draw a crowd anywhere we go. So, and people are very friendly, very hospitable. All right, next picture. Um, and again, this was from my recent trip, uh, just hiking. We were on our, on our way to go worship from a hill and, uh, we just saw this guy and we thought, let's go talk to him. And turns out he is a shepherd. So in the background, you can see like an orange tarp and that's where he lives. He just travels with his tarp, finding places for his sheep to graze. And he, Uh, believed in Jesus three days before. So he he was a very new believer. There's one church in this village, and the lady lady in the purple scarf, she was one of the first believers in that village, and then she just built a church. It was like just finished when I went in February. And so um, she is a pastor and an evangelist in this village. And so he was a very new believer, Um, So we just thought, great, let's lay hands on him. Let's encourage him. Ask him what he wants prayer for. So little things like this, you cannot plan for it. You just kind of pray and then leave. And then you're like, all right, God. Who knows what's going to happen today? But if you just see someone like that, instead of walking past on the way to go pray from a mountaintop, we just said, oh, let's go talk to him. Let's see if he's heard about Jesus. (laughs) All right, next picture. Okay, and the other, uh, the other big thing that we do for the last several years is we do Bible distribution. And so this man 
is reading a New Testament Bible in his language for the first time. So this distribution takes a little bit more work because we roll out a map and we map wherever, whatever village we want to go after. And so it requires a lot of planning and recording so that we know each home has had the chance to have a Bible or an audio Bible. And so literacy is pretty low there. And so we also bring cards that plug into people's phones because everyone has phones nowadays. They don't always have reception, but they always have phones. <laughs> um, and so for people that can't read, they have an audio Bible and it has Christian music and the Jesus film all on, all on this little card. And it's so much easier to trek with a little card than a big Bible. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that's just a picture. We we go home to home and say, hey, we have a gift for you. We have a book. It's free. You don't need to give us anything. And it's about a man named Jesus. And it's pretty rare to find someone in the villages who do know, have heard of Jesus before. The, you know, the pretty common response is like, okay, have you ever heard of Jesus? No. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, Lord. <laughs> if I have one minute to share about you, what am I going to say? And so we just tell them a little bit about it. And we only carry New Testaments right now. Um, so this is just a, a little snapshot of what we do home to home. And then most people want a free gift. So they take it. <laughs> and then, um, go oh, yes. This lady I met in 2018. And it was on a Bible distribution trip. And she was the last home that we were going to. And my attitude was not the greatest because we had left at about maybe five o'clock, way before the sun was up, to hike to this village. And, uh, <laughs> and so by the I was like, oh, we have one more street left to do. I don't think anyone lives there. Let's just go. <laughs> Thankfully, I wasn't the leader. So my leader was like, we're going. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and then it turns out, uh, they were a believer, uh, the only believers in that village. And what what constitutes a village, I don't really know, because this was one line of houses, and they were their own village, maybe 15 homes. And they had a completely different name. They weren't on the map. <laughs> and so... Um, they were the only believers in their village. And so we thought, all right, let's go to their home. The dad asked for prayer. Turns out they had received Jesus three months before. There was a pastor. The nearest church is three hours away, walking one way. <laughs> and he was going out, praise God, and he was telling people, and she had, she had seen someone get healed. And so they decided to believe in Jesus. And so we gave them, we had one Bible, we gave them our Bible, and then we noticed in their house that they had, um, they had like, we call it puja, which is worship, uh, usually in the context of Hinduism, and they will like put um, like statues or posters of stuff over their door of their, it's like pictures of gods, I guess, usually like snakes or Krishna or stuff like that, like very demonic, and they had stuff from the rafters. So we just noticed, all right, they're a Christian family, but they still have all the all the markings of Hinduism. 
And so we just said, we're going to pray, we're going to consecrate your house, your family, your animals to Jesus. Can we take all these things down? <laughs> and they were like, sure. And so we started praying, and there was some demonic things that started happening to the dad. And so we thought, all right, let's take care of this. So uh, we prayed a few times, and then he was delivered. And then we asked them, have you guys been baptized with water? Or have you just kind of heard the gospel one time and said, yeah, we want Jesus? And they said, yeah. So very new, don't have a lot of discipleship. They hadn't been to church. That pastor had not been back to them since they had received Jesus. And so we just took time, kind of explained some things. And then they said they wanted to be baptized And so before we did that, we said, can we burn all these things, all these Hindu things? And so this was the mother. She ran and grabbed some kerosene, got a pile, burned everything right there. And we're like, all right, whoa, okay. (laughs) I guess you're eager. And so um, I got to baptize the mom, which was so cool. (laughs) This is the first person I ever baptized. And... um, Yeah, and so (laughs) I had not been back there in five years. And so when I went in February, I thought, I don't even really remember where this house is. I have one picture of the mom, not this one, uh, not this picture. And I thought, I have to go see her. I really need to know if they're still believing in Jesus. And we had, one of my teammates had gone back a few years before, and he had met this family again. And they were still believing Jesus a few years before. And the dad, everyone in this area has orchards and, um, like, they're all farmers of something, either livestock or um, fruit. This place is known for its apples. So they have a huge apple orchard, best apples. And so he was saying, he walked down to the river, and he was asking Jesus for another Bible. And... Uh, this Bible was floating down the river (laughs) and he went in and got it. And my friend was like, can I see the Bible? (laughs) Kind of like, I don't know if I believe this. You prayed for a Bible and then a Bible came floating down the river as you were praying for it when you happened to be by the river. And so the dad ran and got the Bible and my friend was like, you could tell it had been in the water, but none of the words were smudged. Completely legible. He said, and it's not the Bible we distribute. He's like, I don't know. No one else really does distribution. He's like, I don't know where this Bible came from, but it's not the ones that we were going home to home with. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, praise God. <laughs> and so... Uh, I set out with uh, three of my friends, three of my long-term friends, and we thought, all right, we're going to find this lady. Hopefully, they live in the same house. Unfortunately, I'm very directionally challenged, so I couldn't quite remember where we were going, (laughs) and this place is not on the map. And so we got to a fork, and I thought, "It's, it's either one of these two. One's uphill, one's downhill. Let's go uphill, and then the worst we have to do is go back down. So we went uphill, probably 40 minutes, and then as soon as we got to the top, I realized, this is not it. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, But then a lady waved to us from the top, and we were able to share the gospel with another lady up there and pray for her daughter, who is um, 
very demonically possessed. And, um, yeah, so we're hoping that this just opened the door into that village. Anyway, that was not the point I was trying to make. But all that to say, you never know. God will take the most directionally challenged people and then put someone else in your lap to minister to. So we turned around and then we were walking down this road and finally we saw people and, and we just said, are any of you Christians? <laughs> Does anyone know where the Christian lives on this street? And she was one of them. And I had forgotten what she looked like. And so I met her again and they are still believers, but they are still the only believers in that whole area. And so I I wanted this picture in there just so that you can even see her face and remember to pray for her because they have been believers for five years now and they're still the only believers. None of their neighbors know God. They're still very um, young in their walk with the Lord. The nearest church is still that church. It's still the only church in that area that's a three-hour walk away. And I just, we had fellowship with her, and um, I want to do follow-up again with her this fall. Um, But I just really felt burdened. (laughs) Like, it's not okay. It's not okay that we send teams here multiple times, and there's still only one church. There's still the only one one family of believers in this area of, you know, probably a thousand people or more. And just really burdened for the church as well to be sharing their faith. (laughs) But I realized, again, like our our fight is not with humans. (laughs) You know, it's easy to get frustrated with the church and with, you know, our neighbors. Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Why aren't you planning churches? I'm going, man, there is such a fight in the heavenlies over this region this, they're, they're mostly Buddhist, um, Tibetan background. And I just realized, compared to a lot of the other villages I've gone to that are Hindu, this place is very cautious, very suspicious. And whole, just a whole different ballgame from what some of the other regions are like. And it really... It really just challenged me of like, man, I need to start targeting them with my prayer. It's not a matter of going back every week and sharing the gospel. The battle is first in the heavenlies. It's first in prayer. And just felt convicted of, um, of not praying for this region and realizing, man, I have a part to play in how many believers there are in this, re- in this region. And you guys support me in prayer and financially, and that's the charge I want to give you. Even if you never go to Nepal, you have a personal stake in the amount of people that know Jesus in this, in this land. And it depends on how much you're willing to invest in your prayers. <laughs> it's that simple. And when you think of it that way, it's kind of, it's kind of like, nah, no way. <laughs> like, it's going to take the preaching of the gospel, and it will, but the, the major weapon in winning is if you have fought for them in prayer, if you've actually asked God to do what he wants to do over a region, and if you've wrestled with him with the same intensity that he wants to wrestle over that place and win. And so that's kind of my challenge to you. <laughs> 
is not just for her, but for any of the villages. Even, you don't have to know any of the names. You don't need to know names of places or names of people unless you really want to. But it takes this, this childlike faith to understand that prayer is actually the main tool that God uses to change a place. And it's so weak. <laughs> it's just like, why would you use something so easy and something that we consider rather boring? Doesn't seem as exciting as, you know, going out and healing the sick. <laughs> and I think that's why the enemy uses that to attack us in the place of prayer. Prayer is not boring. <laughs> God made prayer so easy, something anyone can do, literate, deaf, blind, doesn't matter. Anyone can pray. Anyone can listen. And I think the fact that God made it so easily available speaks to, speaks to his heart that we would do it. If he wanted only the gifted to do it, he would have made it so much more complicated, like math. <laughs> Math's really only for the gifted. No. <laughs> no, but do you get what I'm trying to say? <laughs> like, prayer is so utterly easy that we don't want to do it because we think surely it takes something more difficult than that to see something incredible happen, like a statue falling on its face before the Ark of God's Covenant right? Surely that took like a mighty man of valor to do that. I don't think so. It took the presence of God. <laughs> That's it. And so I, I, I was just getting stirred up during the prayer time because realizing like, and that word about God stirring, God stirring the pot in this church, I just realized like, this is your identity piece, whether you would have chosen it or not. You don't get to decide what your identity is. And that can be offensive, but not when it comes with God. Because God knows the identity and the reason why he gives identity and which identity he gives to people. And he's given to every believer, and not just any believer. Any person he's created has this one same identity piece, and that's connection with God. You cannot change that. If you create something, you create it for a purpose, and the thing you created cannot say back to you, I don't want to be what you made me to be. They don't have that right. The person who created the thing is the only thing that has the authority and the influence and the way that they shape that person, the, the way that they created it to talk and commune. And so I'm getting on my soapbox here, but it's because I, I teach on prayer and worship in this nation it's my personal assignment, but it's because I've realized for myself, I can get caught up in what's my calling, what's my assignment in this nation, and I realize it's prayer and worship, and that's the same assignment all of us have been given, and my goal, my assignment is simply to see believers actually believe that, <laughs> You were made for one purpose, and that was connection with God. That's it. He breathed life, and the first thing Adam saw was God. It was that face-to-face -face encounter. And we were made to rule with him, 
to have dominion, to subdue things. Those were the two, the two things, connection and ruling with God in prayer. There's no exception to who's called to that, none. And so as we were praying in church and I'm hearing other people praying, I'm like, man, some of you get it. I'm sure you do. And I'm, I know there are other people in here that pray because they're, they know as a Christian you're supposed to pray. And I want God to really activate, in that, activate that identity piece in this whole church. Because once you realize you don't have a choice in it, but it's actually God's desire that you would talk to him. Forget the word prayer. <laughs> God just wants you to talk to him like you would your mother, like you would your best friend, then it just, it makes it all about relationship and not about the act of doing something religious. Because religion is boring. (laughs) But relationship is fascinating and it's captivating. All right, now I'm going to get off my soapbox. But that's really the challenge I felt was that God really wants to activate what's already here, what's already in you. You can't change it about you. So that you are seeing change when you pray. And I think that's the number one deterrent to prayer is that we lose heart when we don't see the results. Which is exactly why Jesus gave parable after parable about men ought always to pray and not lose heart. And I always find it fascinating that that's the connection he made. The not lose heart. (laughs) Because he knows us, he knows our frame, that we are prone to lose heart. (laughs) I'm like, man, out of all of the things, all of the lessons you could have taught in those parables, it was that. I know you're prone to lose heart, and you will if you stop praying. The antidote for not losing heart is to keep persevering in talking to him. (laughs) All right, next picture is uh, the other thing. Ah! Well, if you turn your head, (laughs) it's a room. This is the other thing. My passion and love is um, our house of prayer, a prayer room in the Himalayas. And so it looks uh, very bare because it took a while to find a space. And then I took this picture the day I got flooring put in. And that was, the least was signed. This is our designated space for prayer. And then the next picture actually has people in it. I'm guessing it's on its side also. You can go to the next picture. Ah, good. That's our house of prayer, our Himalayas house of prayer, full of people. Um, so that's just a very typical, very typical picture. Just took that in one of our last sets before I came back to the States um, so we are committed as, uh, as a team to prayer and worship. It's one of our values, and then we do it every week for several hours a day, and we are very rowdy. <laughs> we had a team visit from Hawaii, <laughs> and they have a prayer room there, and I, I was part of it for a while, and I thought, man, this is very professional. <laughs> like, they just have this dialed in. This is like a sleek car that knows what it's doing. And then they came to our house of prayer and they described it as, <laughs> as a street fight in a back alley. <laughs> it's like, you know, that, that's what your house of prayer reminds me of. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> like, 
we're not professional. We're there to win. <laughs> like, if God says to pray for something, we do it. If that's for each other or for the children or for the nation or for whatever it is, we attack it with the same passion as we would something that would be considered a little thing. Like, I have a headache. All right, let's circle up. Get out in the name of Jesus. So we're a very rowdy bunch, and it keeps things very enjoyable. Very enjoyable and fun, and it really has um, just that family feel. When you, when you go to war with someone over and over again for whatever it is, you have to be family, and you become family. So, um, yeah, that is our prayer room. And my prayer is that God will start to multiply that. And so my personal, personal ambition assignment from the Lord is um, to go after the multiplication of people of prayer, people of worship, not just planting a house or a building, um, but to see people actually activated in their relationship with the Lord, starting to contend with him for their nation. And so um, I do a lot of the teaching and training for different schools, and I've had just so many opportunities to go outside of our community and teach on this. And I'm always just kind of blown away because uh, our team is so inexperienced and that's, I love that about the organization I'm with is that um, they don't make you go to a seminary or <laughs> get 10 years of schooling to preach the gospel, to teach other people. You are trained in the going. You are trained in the place of prayer. And so that's what I tell people is that when you get alone, your relationship with God is, is forged when, um, when no one sees you. <laughs> And that's the beauty of the secret place is that um, we can come to church and be a prayer warrior. <laughs> but who are you when no one's looking? Who are you when, when no one actually sees you praying? Are you the same person when no one's looking as you are in front of people? And that's kind of what I love about our house of prayer is that it's a bunch of people who have just desperately needed God to do something because it's not my favorite thing to live overseas. I am probably not the first choice that God could have sent to this nation. <laughs> I'm sure there are so many other qualified people who love traveling, who love rice, <laughs> who love trekking. I don't love any of those things. I hate change. <laughs> I don't love learning a language. <laughs> And I've been there eight years. And at the end of the day, I'm like, why? Why am I still here? <laughs> and uh, it just comes down to the same thing. I'm willing. And it's just, it's funny to see that um, people who should have gone and were not willing are not sent. <laughs> and the people that are very inexperienced, I moved when I was 22 years old, <laughs> just turned 22, couldn't do anything. I could sing and play at the same time. That was about it. And then all of a sudden, I'm over the prayer room. <laughs> I'm like, okay. It's not the talent you have. It's about your willingness to be used. That's, that is what God looks at and decides, I'm going to put you in a place that people would have trained 14 years to get to. But because you're willing, 
I'm just going to put you there. <laughs> and so you climb the ladder very quickly, uh, which can be <laughs> interesting because <laughs> there is no ladder. If you go, you're, you're at the top. You are the person. If you can sing and play worship at the same time, you're leading. If you have breath in your lungs and love the Bible, you're on the street telling people about Jesus. There's just, there's no qualifications other than that. And so uh, you guys can come visit me whenever you want. <laughs> and I'll take you to the mountains or to the south where it's very hot, wherever you want to go. Um, yeah, so that's just a very broad stroke picture of what I'm doing, and the plan is to go back and keep being obedient until I'm released from this nation, and there's no, I don't have any time commitment, I'm there until, until I'm not. (laughs) Um, I wish I did have a timeline, because I thought I would have left years ago, but, um, I'm there. I'm there until God releases me. And I love that, that you guys are investing in that. And I just want to encourage you, keep investing. You're investing in one person, one Leah. But that's just a picture of all the people that are coming. Coming and I'm getting to train, getting to teach. And it's multiplying way beyond just the investment of one person. And so even if you never set foot outside America, just know that when you pray, when you're asking God, what do you want to do in that nation? And then you tell him to do it. He's doing it. He's taking that one investment. And you just don't know. You don't know really what he's going to do with the prayers that you pray. And that's the fun thing about prayer is that it's so easy. And you you just see these crazy things happen that encourage you <laughs> and make you feel really good about what you're doing <laughs> of like man this is the this is the most uh addicting i get it's so addicting when you see god answer prayer and that's why you you can't lose heart because you just you don't know What if one more prayer, if I pray like the answer depends on what I pray, you're going to keep doing that. And maybe it takes a few years of that, but it's the the persistence that God rewards, the perseverance that God rewards. And so I just want to encourage you guys, keep praying, do not lose heart, whether it's for the other nations, whether it's in your own personal lives, but... I mean, we tell this to people in the room. Pair up. Pray for the person next to you. Ask them, what are you contending for? And then we say, ask God, tell God, as if the, the personal breakthrough of that prayer depends on your prayer. That's, that's how we want you to pray. It's not about shouting or <laughs> trying to, to be eloquent. It's the, the passion that you carry in your heart. That God honors. He honors it. (laughs) God honors you. Can I pray for you guys? (laughs) Lord, thank you for this church. 
Lord, I ask that you would wash this church right now in the knowledge of who you are, in the revelation of who you are. I just see this picture of um, people who are covered with, uh, with dirt. And, uh, and the dirt is uh, just the cares of the world and weariness. And I see God just taking this white wash rag and just, just washing from head to toe, just straight down the weariness off people cares of of everyday life and they're not insignificant cares he's not saying it's insignificant the weariness because it comes with all these circumstances but he's wanting to wash off because it becomes like dirt and crusty Lord, I pray that as the washing as you wash every person in this church that they're their beauty, their identity, who are people who are to love you. Pray that that would would make them radiant. Just ask for radiant faces in this church. Faces that shine with, with this deep confidence and joy of just belonging to you. Lord, I ask for um, that solid foundation of relationship that they wouldn't love you because of what you give them, that their relationship would not be based on the amount of blessings, the amount that you give them. Because you're you're so much more than, than just a... <laughs> A blessing, God. But I'm asking for roots that go deeper into the knowledge of you. And use every circumstance. I pray that not one day would be wasted, not one circumstance would be wasted but that you would use it to the fullest to draw them to you, that at the end of the day, they would see in the face of whatever it is, this is my chance to cling. This is my chance to love God more than I did yesterday. And I pray that circumstances would have that that weird appeal to it of whatever is thrown at me, it is my chance to love God more than I did yesterday. I just ask for a a renewing also. Just that picture of the, of the pot being stirred, that you would stir in this church. Lord, giftings that have laid at the bottom of the pot, people who have felt like they have, they have sunk to the bottom and they're still part of this body, but nothing more. Lord, I just ask for a stirring to happen for that aroma to come from every necessary ingredient in this in this church from the youngest to the young, the youngest child i pray that lord it's not enough 
to, to come to church one day a week and to, to be a fragrant aroma one day a week to contribute to the body that one day on Sunday. But I'm asking for a stirring that would, that would bleed into every day. The, the release of the aroma of Christ, that the aroma would be life. Lord, wherever they go, and I pray, Lord, for a spirit of prayer over this church, that they would be people that contend. I just ask for, for grace to be released over this church, to listen to the voice of the Lord, to have the gift of discernment. What is God saying? What is God saying today? Just ask, Lord, remove the dirt, remove the grime, remove the weariness and infuse in them life that is in you. Your church is meant to be living and active, not, not so busy and drained that they, can't, that they can't love you to their fullest. So I'm asking for the wiping away of those things, the things that the enemy is so strategic and feeding to your church to make them weary. I'm asking for the washing away of that and for the, the release of the blood of Jesus that is protection, it is life. It is a safeguard against the strategy of the enemy. And I'm asking for wisdom to be given to every person that they would be as wise as serpents and how they walk, as gentle as doves. Lord, I just ask for that release to happen, that activation that not just a few people in this church would know this, but everybody, every single person, do not pass anyone by, Lord. When you walk through the rows today, stop at each person and wash them clean. Give them what they need, Lord. They don't know what they need. You do. They know what they want, but you know what they need. And I'm asking for you to stop at each person's chair right now and to wash them with what they need and to make their face radiant, that they would love to belong to you, that out of any other choice, their choice would be you. Out of all the gods of this earth, out of all the decisions they could make, they could leave you. But I pray that you would stand out as the best thing that ever happened to them. Give them that perspective. And just shower your love on them. It is good to belong to the Lord and to be in his care and care for this church. Bear them up on your shoulders, Lord. And teach them how to walk as children of the light. Would you stand with me? Put your hand in your heart this morning. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Go in his grace.